0: Another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Wednesday, November 24th, 2010. Those of you in the United States, Thanksgiving tomorrow. Now, I was going to do a Friday light today, but I've had to change my plans. Forth coming information in just a second. Making my notes ready. We've got some important work to do today. And unfortunately, it's got to be done. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro, and I am your servant in Jesus Christ. And this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and to compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. There is no shortage of crazy things being said out there. That means you need to be in God's Word, and you need to be listening with discerning ears. Compare what people are saying to what God's Word clearly teaches. If they're teaching you falsehood, you reject it. If they're sinning, you call them to repent of their sin and be forgiven in, in Jesus' name and by His shed blood on the cross. That's the idea. Now, today's topic is um, is about it. Well, misadventures in... Um, Discernment. That's the name of the topic for today. Misadventures in discernment. And I really didn't want to do this topic. Unfortunately, circumstances have kind of pushed me to have to do this. And uh, what I mean by that is, is that uh, those of you who've been following Kimballgate know that uh, that uh, Ingrid Schleeter of the uh, Crosstalk radio program. Has, uh, well, she uh, chimed in uh, last week, uh, the day after my interview with Dan Kimball, on her own doing her own program that she called The Bridgers. Now, during that uh, program, she was interviewing uh, Deborah Dombrowski from uh, Lighthouse Trails. And um, in the beginning of the program, Ingrid Schleter stated some things that were just not true. When I confronted her with the fact that what she had said about me wasn't true, she assured me that she would clear the record up. And uh, she decided to clear the record up on the program yesterday by continuing to take shots at me. And as a result of it, it's become absolutely necessary that I document and show you what I'm referring to when I say there's a supreme need in some cases for there to be discernment within the discernment camp. And unfortunately, Ingrid Schleider, in her uh, program last Tuesday, where she uh, interviewed Deborah Dombrowski in order to basically prove uh, that Dan Kimball's confession of orthodoxy doesn't matter, that really he's part of a nefarious plot to bring in emergent uh, New Age uh, spiritual Christianity kind of stuff. And the way he's doing it is is by subscribing to an orthodox doctrinal statement, but then pointing everybody to all of the heretics and telling telling people to listen to them. Now, I want to make something clear right up front. What we're going to be doing on today's program is I'm going to be taking apart uh, portions of Uh, Deborah and Ingrid's conversation regarding Dan Kimball. And what we're going to do is we're going to analyze it for factual, you know, basically check the factuality of it, check to see whether or not the evidence that they're bringing to bear is true, and we're also going to see if they're engaging in sound logic and basic good reasoning from the evidence. And uh, I can tell you at the front of the program that the examples that I'm going to cite are examples of things that they did incorrectly. And as a result of it, they said things that were misleading, factually incorrect, and dubious at best. Now, I also need to say this. It is not as if Deborah and Ingrid only made bad arguments. Some of the concerns that they brought up regarding Dan Kimball were valid. These were valid concerns. And so... I don't want you to think that because I'm going to be working through the problems in the program, that that means that everything they said has to be dismissed. No, you have to sometimes engage in discernment even when somebody's engaging in dubious discernment. You need to listen to the greater argument. So that being said, there is some common ground that I have with Ingrid and with Deborah. Regarding their concerns regarding Dan, and it has to do with uh, it, the cases where he has clearly endorsed people whose teaching is it's it's, it's just flat out heretical. That there's no doubt about it. And uh, and I will say this, not to soften it, but to basically point to Dan Kimball's actions, where I pointed out on his own website where he was still linking to people who were clearly heretics, he immediately went into action and pulled that page down and pulled those links down. So that being said, uh, Dan wrote about this, explained why he did it, and uh, Dan does. based on the evidence of Dan's verbal confession and his actions, I think we can say that we have somebody who's listening and who's committed to the truth and doesn't want to give the appearance of endorsing people who are heretics. Now, does that mean that he's pulled down every page where uh, it looks like he's done that? No. But at the same time, I'm going to point something out here. In it, It isn't true that in every case that Dan Kimball has linked to something that he was purposely linking to heretics. And you'll get what I'm saying here as uh, as the program unfolds. So put your thinking caps on. What I'm going to do is we're going to I'm going to pull out some different pieces. Now I don't have the time to do the entire interview. If you want to hear the entire interview, then Google the uh, uh, Crosstalk Radio Program uh, and uh, and then go into their archives and pull up the. Uh, it was last Tuesday's edition of the, the Crosstalk uh, Radio Program on the Bridgers, and uh, I recommend. That you even discern me. Don't just take my word for it. Don't just take my analysis as truth, but let, go back and listen to it in context and see if you agree with my critiques here. Now, uh, let me get my thesis out. Then we'll we'll dive into the um, into the sound bites. My thesis is this: that you cannot defend the truth by using lies. In other words, you can't fight lies with lies. You can't break the Eighth Commandment, not do your homework, and lie about people in the defense of the truth. The ends do not justify the means. Therefore, those who have taken it upon themselves or believe that they are called to speak out in today's dangerous church environment, and it is, that That those who want to speak on behalf of defending the gospel, on on behalf of defending the proclamation of repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name, the proclamation of law and gospel, sin and grace, uh, all by Jesus' shed blood on the cross, that uh, that you don't get the luxury. You do not get the luxury of using lies, cutting corners, and engaging in half-truths and faulty logic in your defense of the biblical gospel. That's not something that you have the luxury of doing. Therefore, because you are defending God himself, and people may draw conclusions about God as a result of whether or not you do it correctly, if you're lying, and it's patently obvious that you're lying— it looks bad on you, and it looks bad on Christ. And as a result of it, when you mix into your pleas for people to stop listening to false teachers, if you mix into that lies about the person and distortions about their position, you end up discrediting yourself, and your very valid concerns end up not being listened to, or those valid concerns being end up being lost in the mix, and as a result of it, that's not good. Like I said the other day, I think it was on was it Friday's program, I firmly believe that discernment is going to be something that's going to be more important in the future of the church, not less important, and we don't have the luxury of cutting corners. We just don't. We just don't. And so, as a result of it, I'm going to uh, go back and I'm going to play sound bites from uh, uh, Ingrid Schleeder and uh, Deborah Dombrowski's uh, interview on Dan Kimball in order to demonstrate the types of things that folks in the discernment camp don't have the luxury of doing and why this is wrong and why I'm calling for and the creation of and will help create and bring into market. What I'm calling a discernment ethics standard, the goal of which is to get people who are doing discernment work to stand ethically against false teaching and to draw valid conclusions and inferences from all of the data and not suppress data that is contrary to the conclusions that they've drawn. In other words, facts first, data second. I mean, sorry, facts first, conclusions second. You get what I'm saying. Anyway, so what I'm going to do here is, is that I'm going to play a series of sound bites, and um, let me let me play this first one. This is uh, Deborah Dembrowski giving basic trying to give us some background information about Dan Kimball. Here we go.
1: Uh, and I'd like you to just give us a little background on Kimball uh, and uh, so that we can have a little bit of understanding as we go along.
2: Okay. Uh, he actually does really go back to the beginning of what we would call the emerging church today when Leadership Network and Bob Buford's Leadership Network uh, began putting together a group of young people. Uh, he put together Doug Paget, Mark Driscoll, Dan Kimball, Brian McLaren, and a couple other guys. And they formed a project, uh, the Terra Nova, which eventually became emergent. They broke away from Leadership Network, kind of. (laughs) And um, so that was kind of how they got started.
0: Okay, now, here's the problem, okay? There's some truth to this, and there's some factual inaccuracies, okay? Um, I don't know if Deborah just didn't do her homework, doesn't know all the data, hasn't conducted the proper interviews, or just misspoke. But the problem is this, is that it is true that Dan Kimball was there in the beginning at Leadership Network. It is not correct at all. In fact, uh, it's factually inaccurate to say that Dan Kimball was part of the Terra Nova Project. The Terra Nova Project, if you remember my interview with Doug Paget on the topic, was a theological think tank group that eventually morphed into Emergent v- Village. Dan Kimball was never part of Terranova nor nor was he part of emergent village. In fact, he was a practitioner not in he was not part of the quote theological conversation or theological group uh that was uh, doing its work and that theological group did consist of Brian McLaren, Tony Jones, Doug Paget and others, okay? But it didn't involve Dan Kimball. Why is this important? Because already at the beginning of the interview, uh, where they're trying to lay some groundwork with uh, with uh, the uh, the emergent folks and Dan Kimball, the associations are not being historically accurately presented. As a result of it, um, there's there's incorrect conclusions being drawn and an incorrect painting being drawn about Dan Kimball. He was not part of Terra Nova. He was not part of Emergent. Village, okay he was not part of the theological conversation at Leadership Network. He was a church practitioner if you go back and listen to my interview with him, this is something that he spoke about so now it's important to note that this interview with Deborah Dambrowski came out the day after the day after I interviewed Dan Kimball, and the data that Dan made available. The information that was made available as a result of my interview with him did not get filtered into this conversation at all. In fact, it was just patently rejected. Okay, on to the next quote, which is about um, Dan Kimball and his 2003 book, The Emerging Church. So what you're going to hear is you're going to basically hear, the, well, the reason why Dan is so dangerous, and how, it's because who he associated with at the beginning, and uh, who wrote the foreword for his book. See, that proves that there's something wrong with Dan. Well, let's put that back in its historical context, and also let's, um, let's shed a, bit, a little bit of light on this argument. But here, here's the next soundbite.
2: Uh, I was going to say one of the, I believe it was maybe the first book he wrote. uh, It was called The Emerging Church in 2003. Now, Dan Kimball has written, to my knowledge, about seven books in the last seven years, since 2003. Uh, The first book really got its launch, we believe, largely from the two people that wrote the foreword. There were two forewords in the book. One was by Brian McLaren and one was by Rick Warren. And um, it it really helped to launch, uh, we believe, Dan Kimball into his own uh, ministry.
0: Now, I know this sounds terrible. Let's put that back in its historical context, and then I'll play the rest of the soundbite. Dan Kimball's book, The Emerging Church, came out in 2003. Now, what happened just in the year prior to Dan Kimball's book coming out? That was the, the release of The Purpose Driven Life. Rick Warren was was just coming into uh prominence. Okay? He wasn't the person that we know him today. In fact, what we know about Rick Warren, we didn't know about him back then, okay? And the same with Brian McLaren. Brian McLaren from the get-go, from the launching of the so-called emerging conversation until just this year. Brian McLaren has been theologically and doctrinally evasive. And it's been very difficult to get a radar fix on him, and it took a preponderance of the evidence over a course of many books since 2003 until the writing of his new book, A New Kind of Christianity, that we were finally able to say definitively, Brian McLaren is a heretic. Now, that being the case, the question is not who wrote the forward to the books, okay? Not, at least not in this case, because at this point, the issue is Dan Kimball. Okay, the issue is Dan Kimball. The issue is not Brian McLaren, and the issue is not uh, uh, Rick Warren. Who, back in 2003, we didn't know the things we know about them now. Okay. So the issue is did Dan Kimball write heresy in his book? Did Brian McLaren attack historic Christianity in Kimball's book? Did Rick Warren twist God's word and uh, teach false doctrine in Dan Kimball's book? That's the issue. Okay? So I understand. Yeah, it. Oh, it looks terrible. Yeah, I mean, Brian McLaren and Rick Warren wrote the foreword to Dan Kimball's book. I can tell you with with certainty if that if this book came out today, and that were the case. y uh, there, 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 there's something seriously wrong. But at the time, Rick Warren was considered to be just a mainstream evangelical pastor, and. Brian McLaren, pretty much the same thing. You know, a, a, a guy who's just starting to come onto the scene as an author. You know, it, it, what we know about him now is not what we knew about him then. And I think he was writing novels at that time. You know, with Neo and uh, for the I forget the name of those books. But you understand what I'm talking about. So the thing is, is that... Um, At that time, I'll be be blunt, back in 2003, I didn't know Rick Warren was a problem. I did not know he was a problem. Back in 2003, I didn't know that Brian McLaren was a problem. Had no idea. In fact, I wouldn't have thought anything less of somebody who had uh, Rick Warren or Brian McLaren write the foreword of the book back in 2003. Okay? That needs to be weighed in this. Now, notice here. This is a guilt by association argument, and let me define that for you too. By the way, um, one of the the websites I go to, uh, I have I actually have this in my uh, in my my toolbar here, is a link to a website that deals with uh, with logical fallacies. It's Nizkor Project, and it's nizkor dot org, and they have a a feature in there regarding uh, basically bad argumentation and uh, and logical fallacies. Now, let me read this one to you. D- this is a logical fallacy, guilt by association. Guilt by association is a fallacy in which a person rejects a claim simply because it is pointed out that the people he or she dislikes accept the claim. Okay. This sort of reasoning has the following form. Number one, it is pointed out that person A does not li- does not like or accept claim P. Therefore, P is false. It is clear that uh, it is clear that sort of reasoning is fallacious. For example, uh, the following is obviously a case of poor reasoning. Think, you think that one plus one equals two, okay? But Adolf Hitler, Charles Manson, and Joseph Stalin, and Ted Bundy, Bundy, they all also believed that 1 plus 1 equals 2. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it, seriously, we we need to completely rework our math books. Why? Well, if we teach our kids 1 plus 1 equals 2, then they're in agreement with Adolf Hitler, Charles Manson, Joseph Stalin, and Ted Bundy, who all also believe that 1 plus 1 equals 2. Yeah, you see, this is a fallacious argument. 1 plus 1 is equals 2, regardless of whether or not Ted Bundy, Joseph Stalin, Charles Manson, or Adolf Hitler also agreed. You see, you you, don't—so the idea here is is that when we're going to point out problems with Dan Kimball, we have to do it honestly, okay? And uh, what's going on here is a form of a logical fallacy called guilt by association. Let's continue.
1: Okay, before we go any farther, uh, I want to just let our listeners know, many of whom are learning about all of this, and these names may be somewhat mysterious. It is significant, Deborah, is it not, the forwarders on this book, The Emerging Church. Just give us a thumbnail. First of all, thumbnail on Brian McLaren.
2: Well, Brian McLaren, as we said, was one of the early, um, you know, emerging church, emergent guys. Um, He has since... um, Become more isolated from some of the some of the early ones because he had uh, a much stronger way of expressing what that movement is about. Um, eventually, denying um, you know, the um, substitutionary atonement and basic you know beliefs of the Christian biblical faith.
0: Yeah. Now this is true. McLaren has recently come out. Attacking the historic doctrines of the Christian faith. That's absolutely true. Was that true in 2003? No, that wasn't.
1: That literal hell. He denies a literal hell, the penal substitutionary Mm -hmm. atonement, divine child abuse there. Uh, yeah, by the way,
0: we're supposed to be talking about Dan Kimball, and at this point, we're talking about the heretic Brian McLaren.
2: ...advertising for God. Yes. Uh, he, of course, is very strong in the contemplative mysticism, and, and for those that might not be uh, familiar with that um, idea or term... It is Eastern mysticism that has been uh, redesigned uh, or, or re- disguised, really, and called spiritual formation, contemplative prayer, same thing.
0: Valid concern. She's absolutely right. Brian McLaren is into postmodern uh, contemplative mysticism, and it's not not compatible with biblical Christianity. She's right. So, again— what does this? How does this prove something about Dan Kimball? Though, does Dan Kimball promote the teachings of Brian McLaren? Does Dan Kimball stand and say, "I am in agreement with Brian McLaren regarding the doctrine of hell, regarding penal substitution, regarding uh, you know name the name the, the things"? Well, on my program, Dan Kimball made it clear he believes in hell. He affirms penal substitution. So, of course, here's the problem. You know, Brian McLaren, in 2003, before anybody knew that he was a heretic and before he started attacking all of these doctrines, well, he uh, wrote the foreword to Dan Kimball's book. That proves Dan Kimball's bad.
2: It is one thing that is a common element throughout the Emerging Church is the embracing of this mystical prayer. Uh, so, Brian And
0: she's absolutely right.
2: And McLaren's not alone on that. Dan Kimball also embraces that.
0: Yeah, but see, uh, this again, this interview came out on Tuesday after my Monday interview with Dan Kimball. And Dan Kimball clarified his position regarding spiritual practices. And what he said from his own mouth, what he believes regarding these practices, is different than the conclusion that Deb has drawn regarding Dan. So she's basically saying, Dan, I don't believe you. You're a liar.
2: Church is the uh, embracing of this mystical prayer. Uh, So Brian McLaren's not alone on that. Dan Kimball also embraces that, and we can show that as we go on in the program.
1: Uh, Brian McLaren additionally teaches that there is no second, literal second coming of Christ. That's a real
0: important. Yes, he does. That's correct, and that's Brian McLaren is clearly a heretic. But was Brian McLaren teaching that and saying that um, back in two thousand and three? Answer, no, not publicly. Important thing to note. So here we
1: have Dan Kimball, his first book forwarded by Brian McLaren, one of the bigy uh, Ravening Wolves of the Emergent Church movement, also forwarded by Rick Warren, who almost needs no explanation in terms of his false teaching and where this has led the church, his leadership. But uh, just to give a brief summary of Rick Warren's role in all of this.
2: Well, his role is very significant. People don't realize just how Rick Warren has helped to propel and, well, initiate and propel uh, the what's this emerging church. He has, of course, written the foreword for that book. He has continually uh, endorsed and uh, pushed these for these guys. He was doing that with Brian McLaren in the earlier years, but when Brian McLaren started getting a lot of, uh, you know, uh, flack or, or uh, recognition for really, you know, going against traditional Christianity, uh, he backed off from that.
0: Uh, yeah, funny enough, I mean, she points out the fact that Rick Warren distanced himself from McLaren after McLaren started turning hard left. So did, you will know, never mind. I'm sorry. Dan Kimball had his book forwarded by Brian McLaren. Before anybody knew that he was a heretic, that proves that Dan Kimball is in cahoots with Brian McLaren. Uh,
2: we believe Rick Warren perhaps is, is the greatest influence that there's been in getting the emerging church to where it's at.
0: Okay. So there. that's the argument. Um, Dan Kimball, you know, we know he's bad. Oh, yeah. Forget the fact that he affirms the historic Christian faith. Forget the fact that he says he believes in salvation by grace alone through faith alone. Forget the fact that he says he believes in hell. We know. We know he's bad because in 2003, he had his book forwarded by Brian McLaren. And Rick Warren. Yeah, see, that's this is fallacious argumentation. This is guilt by association. This is not evidence. This is not research. This is what it looks like to engage in a witch hunt. Now, that's not to say, it's not to say that everything that Ingrid and Deb brought up were not valid concerns. What it does mean is that this particular argument easily spotted as fallacious. And this is exactly what I'm saying is unethical. More examples of bad evidence, bad logic, and uh, bearing false witness against your neighbor on the other side of our first break. If you would like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you could do so. My email address, talkback at com. Or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there, Pirate Christian. We'll be right back.
4: expects a purpose-driven inquisition. Amongst our weaponry are such diverse elements as purpose, vision, ruthless relevance, and almost fanatical devotion to Rick Warren and nice Hawaiian turtle. Damn. I can't say it. You'll have to say it.
1: Uh,
3: What?
4: You'll have to say what the bit about our chief weapons are.
3: Uh, I I couldn't do that.
0: I didn't expect a kind of purpose-driven inquisition.
3: Uh, nobody, uh, expects, uh, expects, no, nobody expects the, um, purpose-driven inquisition. Uh, I, I know, I know. Nobody okay. expects the purpose-driven inquisition. In fact, those who our do,
4: chief ex- weapons are?
3: our chief weapons are, um, purpose. uh, uh, vision. Okay, and- okay,
4: stop, stop that, stop that. Uh, our chief weapons are purpose, blah, 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 blah. Youth Pastor Rick, read the charges. you're like hereby charged with being divisive and not following our program. That's enough! Now, how do you plead?
0: We're We're innocent.
4: Ha! Ha! Ha (laughs) ha ha! We'll soon change your mind about that!
0: Warning, you can't use lies and bad evidence and faulty logic to defend the truth. need to remind you all, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you as well as to the world. You can partner with us financially by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see two friendly yellow buttons. One says, Donate. Yeah, this says, join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. And if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you can do so by clicking on the donate button, by, And then, you know, you fill in the amount. And, and if you'd like to send in your amount, you can do so by making your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith. Send it to Post Office Box 508 Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. All right, back to um our um it misadventures and dubious discernment and uh the reason i am it's necessary to do this program is because of the attack uh launched against me and the conclusions i drawn drew, drew regarding Dan Kimball I had every tension intention to pretty much let this uh this thing slide. And had assurances from uh, Ingrid Schleeder that she was going to clear the record. And uh, what she ended up doing in her clearing of the record regarding the the misstatements she made about me last week is she took a shot at me and engaged in guilt-by-association-type arguments against me. And as a result of it, I found it necessary to go back and demonstrate the faulty logic, the false conclusions, the out-of-context statements, and the misstatements that were made by her and Deborah during uh, their their, uh, show on the concerns about Dan Kimball being a Bridger. Okay. Next quote. Here we go.
1: Okay. The Emerging Church, The Emerging Church, written by Dan Kimball, forwarded by Brian McLaren and Rick Warren. The book is significantly still for sale on Dan Kimball's website, and I'm going to repeatedly point back to his doctrinal orthodoxy claims made on the podcast yesterday.
0: Yeah. Now this was just that they're they're finishing up their guilt by association argument based upon you know it's got to be bad because Brian McLaren and uh, Rick Warren both wrote the forward to his book in 2003 before anyone knew where they were going. Anyway, here here's the next quote. Because
2: That's right. the very nature of the emerging spirituality is negates the gospel, negates the cross. Something that Dan Kimball said. Um,
0: Okay, now I want you look. Hey, let me back this up. I want you to hear what Deb Dombrowski is saying. This is truth mixed with error. Okay, this is truth mixed with error, and then an out of context statement. Listen carefully. What she's saying here about emergent spirituality is true. The question is, is it true about Dan Kimball and is Dan Kimball promoting this type of emergent spirituality that she's talking about? Listen carefully.
1: That's right.
2: The very nature of the emerging spirituality is negates the
0: gospel. Negates this is true. Negates the cross. This is true. The question is, does Dan Kimball negate the cross?
2: Something that Dan Kimball said, um, I'm just going to grab this copy of Faith Undone uh, where he's quoted, and this is from the Emerging Church, real brief. So we must rethink virtually everything we are doing in our ministries. Well, that really kind of sums up what the emerging church wants to do. Everything needs to be, and when they say everything, they mean everything. <laughs> everything from not just the outside. Oh, let's add some candles and couches. It's a lot more than that.
0: Okay, now let me let me quote this again. So he, basically, she starts off by saying that emergent spirituality negates the cross. True. Then she then hooks into Dan Kimball and says that Dan Kimball is promoting this, and she quotes from Dan Kimball's book. Listen again to the quote.
2: So we must rethink virtually everything we are doing in our ministries.
0: So that's the quote from Dan Kimball. Okay, it's, so we must rethink virtually everything we are doing in our ministries. That's the quote. What's the conclusion?
2: Well, that really kind of sums up what the emerging church wants to do. Everything needs to be—when they say everything, they mean everything. <laughs> everything from not just the outside, oh, let's add some candles and couches. It's a lot more than that.
0: Okay, so here's the question. Is Dan Kimball, has he— been saying, we need to rethink everything, not just couches and cam- candles and, and, you know, and, and, you know, methodologies, but we need to rethink everything. Is that what he was saying in that quote? Because she was talking about doctrine. But funny enough, this topic was specifically addressed in my interview with Dan Kimball the day before. And Dan Kimball made it perfectly clear that he was a practitioner who was looking at new ways to do ministry methodologically, but that he was not interested in changing or rethinking Christian doctrine. That's his own words. And what Deb Dombrowski, the day after Dan Kimball was on my program clarifying his position, she used this quote again.
2: So we must rethink virtually everything we are doing in our ministries.
0: Okay? To, she, used, she used that quote from Dan Kimball to prove that Dan really wants to rethink you know, everything, including doctrine. By the way... I have a copy of the first run edition of the emerging church written by Dan Kimball forward by Rick Warren and Brian McLaren with commentary by Rick Warren, Howard Hendricks, uh, Brian McLaren and others. Okay. Here we go. Page 13. Okay. The title of this subsection in the introduction to the book is we must think about the emerging culture because too much is at stake. Now, As I'm reading this, you're going to hear his quote in context. Ask yourself this question. As I read this Kimball quote in context, is Dan Kimball saying we need to rethink doctrine? Obscure the cross. That's That's what was being said here. Here we go. I believe with all of my heart that this discussion about the fast-changing culture and the emerging church must take place. While many of us have been uh, uh, preparing sermons and keeping busy with the internal affairs of our churches, something alarming has been happening on the outside. What what once was a Christian nation with a Judeo-Christian worldview was quickly becoming a post-Christian, unchurched, unreached nation— Tom Clegg and Warren Bird, in their book, Lost in America, claim that the unchurched population of the United States is now the largest mission field in the English-speaking world and the fifth largest globally. New generations are arising all around us without any Christian influences, so we must rethink virtually everything we are doing in our ministries. Again, new generations are arising around us without any Christian influences, so we must rethink virtually everything we are doing in our ministries. That's that sentence put back in context. Was Dan Kimball saying we need to rethink doctrine? Was Dan Kimball saying that? No, what Dan Kimball was basically saying is, is that Man, look, the uh, United States of America is like one of the largest mission fields in the world, and we need to rethink how we, do, we need to think, rethink our ministries with the, and the implication is so that we can reach those people with the gospel. That's what he was concerned about. He wasn't saying this. Listen again to the full quote again now. Now that you know what he said in context, notice what Deb did. She to- took him out of context the same way the Bible twisters that we review here at Fighting for the Faith during our sermon reviews time take Bible passages out of context. Deb took Dan completely out of context and made him say something he didn't say at all. Listen again. Because That's
2: right. The very nature of the emerging spirituality is negates the gospel, negates the cross. Something that Dan Kimball said... Um, I'm just going to grab this copy of Faith Undone uh, where he's quoted, and this is from the Emerging Church, real brief. So we must rethink virtually everything we are doing in our ministries. Well, that really kind of sums up what the Emerging Church wants to do. Everything needs to be, and when they say everything, they mean everything. (laughs) Everything from not just the outside, oh, let's add some candles and couches. It's a lot more than that.
0: Now that you've heard it in context, what do you think? This is an example of misquoting somebody out of context to make them say something that they never, ever said. This is a form of deception. This is what the Bible twisters do when they twist God's Word. If you're going to fight Bible twisters by misquoting them, how much credibility do you think you're going to have in the long run? Deb? What you've done here is sinful. That's a breaking of the Eighth Commandment that says you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. That is a flagrant and gross and egregious sin that you've just committed, making it sound like Dan Kimball was trying to hide and obfuscate the cross of Christ because he said, so we have to rethink how we do our ministries and then telling something about that quote that he never said, and if you put it back in context, it's clear that he never said anything like that. This is exactly why. This is precisely why. I've called on Ingrid Schleder to clear the record, why I've said that you can't fight lies with lies, and why I'm calling for and will help to create a discernment ethics standards because this is unethical. Okay, moving along here. Next quote. Okay, um, oh, well, this is a fun one. Yeah, y'all heard of the uh, the conference called the Nines? Y'all ever heard of that? Well, you're going to hear about it. This is uh, this is what uh, this next thing is all about. And this is another guilt by association argument. Here, here's uh, Ingrid and Deborah.
1: You mentioned that it, it is a sin, as according to Scripture, to participate with sinners. To We are not even to be with them. We're not even to wish them well. We're not to participate with them in their deeds. And heresy being a huge sin against the Lord that leads souls to hell. And yet here we see Dan Kimball's perpetual participation with them. Uh, I'm looking at a conference, an online conference that took place September 9th of last year.
0: Okay, that, by the way, the name of the conference it was put on by Leadership Network. It's called The Nines and it occurred on 9909. Now, ironically, they did did it again this year. They did it on 9910. Okay. Now, listen to this argument. This is a guilt by association argument. Did Dan Kimball teach heresy? During this online conference, well, we're going to find out because I'm going to play for you a portion of the audio from his video presentation. But here's the argument. Dan Kimball appeared together with an entire group of shady characters. And this proves somehow that he's pointing you to them and affirming their heresies. Okay, now Just listen to the argument. In this,
1: particip- in this uh, conference he participated in, he is doing so with, with with some of the, who it reads like a who's who of false teachers. Here we have Leonard Sweet, who uh, spoke at this uh, online conference. Or participated- That's
0: right. Leonard Sweet gave a video presentation at this online conference. That's correct. This is true.
1: Participated at 12 p.m. Uh, on September 9, 2009. Of course, Dan Kimball, who spoke.
0: Yep, Dan Kimball spoke.
1: Spoke at 3 p.m. We have Brian McLaren at 4 p.m. This,
0: yep, he did.
1: This is the same Brian McLaren that denies the substitutionary, penal substitutionary atonement of Christ on the cross. The second coming. A literal hell. Here's Brian McLaren participating with him. Rick Warren spoke at 8 p.m.
0: That's I, right. That's right.
1: I'm looking at all It's these,
0: true. This is absolutely true.
1: These other false teachers, bridge people like Perry Noble perpetually pointing to these false teachers who's destroyed christian worship and modeled a carnal spirituality
0: yes he has this is absolutely true
1: ironically the podcast apologist that's me who featured dan kimball the other day has exposed many of these same people
0: that's right i have this is what is
1: so ironic about this kind of deception
0: okay so that's the that's the argument dan kimball participated in an online conference put on by leadership network that in, that included a whole host of problematic as well as heretical teachers it was called the nines now that the she at the beginning of this soundbite you know reiterated a you know basically a teaching and let me i'm going to back this up and i want you to hear this again okay here we go are you ready this is this is proving that uh, Dan Kimball is a bridger. Here we go.
1: You mentioned that it it is a sin is according to scripture to participate with sinners to we are not even to be with them. We're not even to wish them well. We're not to participate with them in their deeds and heresy being a huge sin against the Lord that leads souls to hell.
0: Okay, got it. okay, so that that was the beginning of that uh, sound bite. Can't participate with them. Alright, well, uh here's uh here's the deal. Okay, using this logic, okay, I have to be the bearer of bad news. Yeah, it's true. Uh those of you who uh, subscribe to and read the pyromaniacs blog. Yeah, um those of you who read the pyromaniacs blog, um I have to I have to tell you that you're going to have to disassociate with them because one of them is a bridger. It's true. That's yeah, absolutely true. Frank Turk, um, one of the blog writers for the Pyromaniacs blog, where Phil Johnson writes, um, Frank Turk, uh, he participated in the Nines Conference this year and shared, well, participated in Darkness with men like Leonard Sweet, Brian McLaren, Rick Warren, Perry Noble, Stephen Furtick, and others. It's true, um, I have proof i it's this is just very, very disturbing um i I don't know what to say, and if you're detecting a little bit of tongue in cheek, uh, that's on purpose. but um uh Frank Turk of the Pyromaniacs blog, here is audio from his presentation. Uh, during the nines conference. Okay, thanks
4: for streaming the nines this year. Tell your boss we're sorry for impacting national productivity today. My name's Frank Turk, and I brought you outside so we could get out of somebody's study. And, you know, you have probably never heard of me. I'm a blogger, you know, which is like saying I play World of Warcraft or I have a Star Wars costume in my closet. I mean, it's a hobby that generally makes people think you're a weirdo who lives in your mom's basement. Now, as you watch today, keep in mind that at least I own my own home and, and I don't have a mega church and I don't have a book that I'm selling. I, I work a day job in renewable energy. I have a wife who I love, and I have two kids I'm trying to be a good father to. Now,
0: Yeah, but you're also a heretical bridger. I mean, because you participated, Frank, in the Nines conference with uh, heretics like Leonard Sweet, Brian McLaren, Rick Warren, Perry Noble, uh, Stephen Furtig and others. And um you 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 know, you you can't associate with them, Frank. Now, I understand, I listened to your whole presentation, and you actually didn't um, teach any heresy at all. In fact, your nine-minute presentation, which was only six minutes and 23 seconds, was about the real Jesus. And, you know, I, I found it to be um, wonderfully done and biblically sound. But I have to conclude using Ingrid's and uh, Deb Dombrowski's logic that, um, well— you're 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 a bridger because you participated in the nines along with Leonard Sweet and other heretics. Do y'all see the problem with this logic? The guilt by association logic that Deborah and Ingrid in basically are invoking at this point end up sweeping up the good and the bad and throwing everybody into the same bin. You can't do discernment work this way. Frank Turk is not a heretic, nor is he a bridger. In fact, he didn't teach heresy, nor did he affirm anything that Brian McLaren said, or Leonard Sweet said, or Perry Noble said in his in his video presentation for the Nines, and neither did Dan Kimball. In fact, I happen to have on hand uh, Dan Kimball's uh, video presentation. For the nines, okay? And I want you to hear what he said. The way you determine that whether or not somebody is, by the way, um, really dangerous, for the most part, it's their doctrine. It's what they actually teach. Let's hear the heresy that Dan Kimball engaged in at the nines.
3: In talking about game changers that have affected life and ministry, it's really hard to name one because I know in my life and the in my leadership history in churches, there's been so many different ones that have affected me during different times. So I'm just gonna kinda dwell on one right here that I've been thinking about a lot lately. And that basically is is that the, the big game changer of understanding that if we love Jesus, we must love the church.
0: Oh, that's got to be total heresy because Leonard Sweet is also participating in this event. and brought, See, that that's code word for emergent spirituality.
3: Despite its messiness. If we love Jesus, we must love the church despite, and I should say, our messiness. Because uh, I'm sure as people out there watching this... They have been wounded. We've been wounded by the church at different times—a leader on staff or something. I I had a situation at church a couple years ago. I was wounded by another staff member, higher in the hierarchy than I was, so badly I actually really considered like leaving church ministry and not doing anything anymore because it really was a bad situation. But what I also then realized was perhaps my expectations of church were incorrect, and so I didn't have a biblical understanding of church, and instead of saying like, this is what I think church should be like and this is my expectations. I didn't look to the New Testament to see that the church really is a group of people committed to Jesus that's going to be messy because we're broken human beings. But it doesn't give you an excuse to keep going messy. You want to clean up messes. You want to be forgiving and and humble and serving one another. And that may not happen. So there's some churches that aren't healthy. But I want to just read uh, kind of a few things here that... We're about a pattern that I see, especially with younger people.
0: Yeah, I'm not hearing any heresy there. By the way, if you want to view the video yourself, um, it's available at media.leadnet.org forward slash nines forward slash videos Kimball978.html. So let's, uh, let's review the argument here. Let's... And yet
1: here we see Dan Kimball's perpetual participation with them. Uh, I'm looking at a conference, an online conference, that took place September 9th of last year. In this, particip- in this uh, conference he participated in, he is doing so with, with, with some of the who. It reads like a who's who of false teachers. Here we have Leonard Sweet who uh, spoke at this uh, online conference.
0: So you you get the point here. Frank Turk of the Pyromaniacs blog, he also has participated in the nines and was part of a virtual online conference with these heretical guys. Are we to assume now that Frank Turk of the Pyromaniacs blog is a bridger, is emergent, is uh, promoting uh, basically uh, counter-reformation mysticism? And is attacking the cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith? No. This is not discernment. This is just really, really bad argumentation and bad logic. Now that's not to say, and I will reiterate this, there are some decent arguments that they make later on. There's some decent arguments that they make. Not everything that Deb and Ingrid engaged in was this bad. But unfortunately, I'm not done yet. There's still more. Yeah, you're thinking, I can't take any more. Yeah, unfortunately, I've got to give you a little bit more. Let me give you another example here of guilt by association. Here we go.
1: Leonard Sweet, I want to focus in on this. Uh, Dan Kimball's participation with Leonard Sweet uh, was really underscored. Leonard Sweet is very high up in the hierarchy of spiritual darkness. Uh, Anyone that doesn't believe that needs to go to Leonard Sweet's own website.
0: Now, I agree with Ingrid here. Leonard Sweet is... Extremely dangerous, wickedly dangerous, way heretical, like mind-bogglingly bad heretical. Completely agree with her here.
1: And click on a book that he is offering and continues to offer on his website called Quantum Spirituality.
0: Now, I want to point something out. This is not Dan Kimball making quantum spirituality available. It's Leonard Sweet.
1: And, uh, Deborah, just give us a little rundown on some of the teachings of Leonard Sweet. And while you're listening to Deborah, think about this. Dan Kimball is featured on his own website, his own blog, dankimball.com, in a photograph with Leonard Sweet because they both teach... George Fox University, one of the hotbeds of contemplative spirituality in here.
0: Okay, I got to stop there for a second. You see, this proves it because Dan Kimball was once photographed with Leonard Sweet at George Fox University. You know, I, I hate to say this, but um, I taught at George Fox University with Doug Paget. It's true. The day before I debated Doug Paget on the Doctrine of Hell, we were invited to George Fox University to teach, co-teach, if you would, a class on the problem of good and evil. Uh, it, was, it was part of an apologetics and philosophy class there at George Fox University. Doug Paget and I both together taught. A class at George Fox University. Does this mean I'm a Bridger? Does this mean I'm endorsing Doug Paget that I'm in fellowship with him? By the way, some people even took photographs. There are photographs out there of Doug Paget and myself teaching at George Fox University. Does that prove anything? No, it doesn't. It doesn't prove anything. There are photographs on my Facebook wall of me with Nadia Bowles-Weber, Jay Baker, and Tony Jones. Does that mean I'm a bridger, that I agree with their doctrine, that I think that they're brothers and sisters in Christ? No. It means that I love them as my friends, and I'm reaching out to them and calling them to repent of their heresy and to be forgiven and to, and to believe the, the biblical gospel. I'm doing that through my friendship with them. You know, see, here's the deal. She tells you a fact and then she gives you her interpretation of it. The problem is, is that her interpretations are fallacious. I want you to hear it again. Based upon her logic, I've got to be a bridge or two because I taught a class at George Fox University with Doug Paget. Here we go. The
1: Hierarchy of Spiritual Darkness, Uh, anyone that doesn't believe that needs to go to Leonard Sweet's own website and click on a book that he is offering and continues to offer on his website called Quantum Spirituality. And uh, Deborah, just give us a little rundown on some of the teachings of Leonard Sweet. And while you're listening to Deborah, think about this. Dan Kimball is featured on his own website, his own blog, dankimball.com, in a photograph with Leonard Sweet because they both teach...
0: George Fox University. One of the- Dan Kimball was invited to speak at a conference at George Fox University along with Leonard Sweet. Now, one of the things that I think that Dan Kimball has done that's not good is that he has linked to Leonard Sweet in such a way that it looks like he's endorsing his teaching. I think that is clear. But the argument here is that he was in a photograph with him, and that proves it.
1: One of the hotbeds of contemplative spirituality, and here he's. By the
0: way, by the way, like I said, I taught at George Fox University with Doug Paget. I didn't. I did not even for a moment engage in any contemplative spirituality, and neither did Doug. And on top of this, get this. Yeah, um, Doug and I. Well, we talked theology. Twice, while in the same room together, while there was food in the room. It's true
1: hands with leonard sweet arms around these false teachers including alan hirsch including frank viola viola Uh, and so i want to talk about this we are not to participate with those who are teaching spiritual darkness and here stands dan kimball with his co-professor
0: okay now okay let's let's listen to that standard again i want to point something out here we go listen
1: Uh, and so i want to talk about this we are not to participate with those who are teaching spiritual darkness and okay
0: stop How are you defining participate? You're not to participate with those who are teaching spiritual darkness. I completely agree. How did Dan Kimball participate in teaching spiritual darkness with Leonard Sweet? That's the thing that has to be proven. You can't prove that from a photograph. You would need to hear quotes where Dan Kimball was promoting Leonard Sweet's teaching and saying this idea he had that, you know, X, Y, or Z that's clearly contrary to the Word of God, I think it's cool and you all should believe it too. What does it mean to participate with those who are teaching spiritual darkness? I co-taught a class, an apologetics class, with Doug Padgett, and we took opposing views rather— um passionately opposing views regarding the origins of evil, how we define it, and, uh, and whether or not uh, the theodicy uh, disproves the existence of God. But I co-taught a class with Doug Paget. Does that mean I am participating in spiritual darkness? Not on your life. The only way I would have been participating in it if I is what if I had been agreeing with it or sitting there on my hands and biting my lip and saying nothing while while Doug was spewing his false doctrine. This is not how you do discernment.
1: Here stands Dan Kimball with his co-professor at George Fox University. Tell us about Leonard Sweet and his quantum spirituality.
0: Now, I'm not going to play what Deb says there. I mean, she goes on and talks about uh, Leonard Sweet's her- heresy. And the point she brings up about Leonard Sweet's heresy is that uh, spot on. Okay? Sweet is a heretic. No doubt about it. It 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 can easily be proven by opening up Leonard Sweet's books and comparing what he's saying in the name of God to the word of God. And he is attacking. He is deconstructing the cardinal doctrines of Christianity. And that can be demonstrated. But citing what Leonard Sweet believes doesn't tell me anything about what Dan Kimball believes. All right, moving along here. This next quote's a short one, but you need to listen to it carefully. Listen to what's being said.
2: You know, people say, well, do you think Rick Warren's a Christian? Do you think Dan? You know what? That's not the issue for us. The issue is, wait, what they're teaching is going to keep people from finding salvation. They're taking them to a different gospel, and as Paul said, another Jesus and another gospel.
0: Okay, now I'm going to point something out here. That is the very definition of heresy. If you're going to uh, point people to a different Jesus and a different gospel, that's heresy. But did you notice what was missing there? And if you go back and you listen to this entire uh, thing in context, the thing that you're going to hear missing? Um, evidence. Evidence. Anybody can say somebody's teaching a different gospel. I can say Joe Blow, pastor down the street, is teaching a different gospel. But that doesn't prove that he's done it. So the implication here is, is that Deb Dombrowski is basically saying that uh, you know listen the, the issue is is are they teaching a different gospel which is a serious charge, but they haven't shown that Dan or, Dan is teaching a different gospel or that he is purposefully purposefully trying to promote teachers who are teaching a different gospel. So just making the claim does not equal evidence. Listen again.
2: You know, people say, well, do you think Rick Warren's a Christian? Do you think Dan... Kim- you know what? That's not the issue for us. The issue is, wait, what they're teaching is going to keep people from finding salvation. They're taking them to a different gospel, and as Paul said, another Jesus and another gospel.
0: Yeah, and it's up to you to prove from clear evidence that Dan Kemble is teaching a different Jesus, a different gospel, that he's not teaching salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ's work alone, that he doesn't believe that salvation is found only in Jesus because of his shed blood on the cross. It's up to you to show in context that he's taught a different gospel. Okay, moving along, this is another example of guilt by association, very similar to the other ones that we've shown, but this one's kind of silly too. Here we go.
1: He assured the podcaster yesterday. Or, That's me. That he was orthodox and he has a doctrinal statement.
0: To... Which, by the way, is false. Ingrid, I spent six hours talking theology with Dan Kimball. And Dan Kimball didn't say, you know, I've got an orthodox doctrinal statement. Here it is. I, I, see, you want to see it? I printed it out just for you, Chris. See, this proves I'm a Christian. You have to say I'm, that, I, that I'm not a heretic because, look, I've got an orthodox doctrinal statement. No. I spent six hours with Dan, and we talked theology. I talk to heretics a lot because I have heretics for friends. Why do I have them as friends? Because I'm trying to reach them with the gospel. I want to ankle-tackle them so that they don't go to hell. But that being the case, because I've spent a lot of time with heretics and know their theology inside and out, because I talk to them regularly, not just read their books, which, by the way, you can still tell somebody's a heretic by reading their books. I'm not saying you can't. But I know them by name. I know them by face. They know me. that We know each other. We've talked. That being the case, I spent six hours talking with Dan Kimball, and uh, we went through pretty much all the major categories of Christian doctrine. It was kind of a catechetical outline, if you would. And his answers were not, look at my doctrinal statement, it's, I believe this. This is what I teach at my church. Here's an example of me teaching it at my church. We just got done doing a series on hell. We just got done talking about homosexuality and how it's a sin, and, that, and down the line. Those, he was not just saying, I've got a doctrinal statement. He was saying, not only do I have a doctrinal statement, but I believe the doctrinal statement, and I teach from it, and I teach these doctrines in my church. And here's an example of where I did it this week and what I said on this. And if you want to see an article I wrote about hell, here's the, here's the link to it. But notice the mischaracterization. What she's done is she's taken the evidence, the primary source evidence. If we were in a court of law, Okay. If we were in a court of law and I was the defense attorney and Ingrid was the prosecuting attorney, I was able to get Dan Kimball on the witness stand. And she thinks her guilt by association evidence trumps the fact that I put Dan Kimball on the witness stand. There is no jury in the United States that's going to convict Dan Kimball of the charges, whatever they are, that Ingrid Schleder is bringing at this point because her evidence is faulty. It doesn't even prove her point. And it's easily shot down by checking the evidence, by thinking through whether or not that argument works. But listen again.
1: He assured the podcaster yesterday that he was orthodox and he has a doctrinal statement to prove it. So it doesn't matter what he's saying on his blog. It doesn't matter that on his blog he is pointing people to something called Catalyst Space. This is a website from the Catalyst Conference.
0: Okay, so on Dan Kimball's website, he has, you know, links to sites that he goes to. You know, most blogs do. And, yep, they're on the list. It's true. He has a list to the website, Catalyst Space. Hmm, okay. Watch this.
1: He's pointing. He said it's one of his favorite sites in the whole world. He has this list of things. It's a a link site on his blog. So I I went to Catalyst Space to see where he was directing his followers.
0: Okay, so, okay. Now listen carefully. Watch this logic.
1: Guess where he was directing them.
0: Catalyst to- No, he was directing them to Catalyst Space.
1: Two: Rob Bell.:
0: So because Dan Kimball has a link on his website going to the Catalyst Space website. You know, they've got Rob Bell there. It's an emergent place. they probably have candles.:
1: Brian McLaren is on this site. No. teaching about his new beliefs. There's a whole interview with Brian McLaren right on this Catalyst space site, Rob Bell. So, but, but it's okay. Ingrid,
2: I, I, I... Okay,
0: gonna point something out here. I went to the Catalyst space website today, and um, oddly enough, um, boy, this is going to sound horrible, but get this, Tulian Tikovigian, um, he's right there on the homepage. Yeah, it's true. He asked the question, are you afraid of the gospel? Let's listen to the heresy being spewed. At CatalystSpace.com by Tulian Tikovigian, who is the um, pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. <clears throat> Tulian writes, By the way, this article is adapted from Tikovigian's recent book, Surprised by Grace, God's Relentless Pursuit of Rebels. I'm ecstatic about the resurgence of gospel centrality taking place in the evangelical church. The idea that the gospel is not only for those outside the church, but also for those inside the church. That it not only ignites the Christian life, but it is the fuel that keeps Christians going and going every day. May seem like a new idea, but it's really an old one. I'm glad it's regaining traction, but as far as we've come, we need to go further. For all the talk of gospel-centeredness, there's still some fear and trepidation fueled by a common misunderstanding, Understanding regarding the radical nature of grace. Even amongst, amongst the proponents of gospel centrality, I still hear talk about there being two equal dangers that Christians must avoid, legalism as well as lawlessness. <sighs> yeah, Tulian Tikovigian there at the Catalyst website, dot catalystspace.com website, goes on and talk, talks about how legalism and lawlessness are the primary enemies of the gospel and that we need to combat them, and uh gives us a sharp kick in the behind about not being afraid of grace, and the Im- imperative minus indicatives equals impossibilities. And he, That's basically an argument for sound preaching of law and gospel. That's what I found on the homepage of Catalyst Space. Now, that being the case wait a second, she said Rob Bell was there. Yep, he's there too. Catalyst Space is basically a website that republishes articles and ideas from the broad spectrum of Christian leaders uh, all throughout. It's basically a big potpourri website. In other words, you're going to have to practice discernment if you think Catalyst Space is a good place to go, because there's heretics as well as uh well, sound orthodox guys who publish there. Maybe we should think that Tulian Tikovigian, well, he's got to be a-, a bridger now because his article there, Are You Afraid of the Gospel?, which gives a proper distinction of law and gospel and calls people to preach the gospel to Christians as well as un- non-believers and tells us to fight against legalism and lawlessness. Well, because that article appears in the same on the same website that Rob Bell's stuff, you know, an article or two by Rob Bell uh, appears, that that means he's a bridger. And using this logic, I have to conclude that Ingrid Schleter herself is a bridger. Why? Well, because on both the uh, Crosstalk blog as well as her old Slice of Laodicea blog, Ingrid Schleter regularly linked to stories that appeared at the website ChristianPost.com. Yeah, and you know there's heretics who write for the ChristianPost.com. Rick Warren writes for uh, the Christian Post regularly. In fact, Perry Noble himself also writes regularly for christianpost.com, as well as Mark Batterson and a whole host of other very, very iffy characters. And because Ingrid, on her Crosstalk blog and on the uh, Slice of Laodicea website, linked to Uh, ChristianPost.com, well, that tells me that because she was linking to ChristianPost.com that, um, well, she's a bridger and that uh, she hasn't properly disassociated herself, nor did she properly warn people that uh, when they got to the ChristianPost.com that they may be exposed to heretical teachers. Yeah, you see how this logic starts to fall flat when you apply it to the person who's misapplying it? Do you see what I'm saying here? I go back to Ingrid. Listen carefully.
1: ...about his new beliefs. There's a whole interview with Brian McLaren right on this Catalyst space site, Rob Bell. So, but but it's okay. Ingrid,
0: I can... I, I... Now, here's my question. Did Dan Kimball intend to promote the heresies of Rob Bell and Brian McLaren by linking to Catalyst space? Because when you look through their archives, there's good stuff and bad stuff. How do you know that Dan didn't intend for people to go to the good stuff? Hmm? This is painting with a broad brush. This is what it means to be on a witch hunt. This is guilt by association, and it's faulty logic, and it's not sound evidence. I put Dan Kimball on the witness stand. You heard him in his own voice. That doesn't count for anything. No, what really counts is that Dan Kimball linked to a website where, well, it's kind of a spectrum of different ideas, bad and good. How dare he? Does that show lack of discernment? Yeah, it does. Does it prove that he's, well, a bridger and and a closet heretic? No, it doesn't. Not at all.
2: I think it's important to mention Rob Bell here, too, because his books Velvet Elvis and his films NUMAs are in numerous,
0: numerous. Now, where can you point me to a single place where Dan Kimball actually promotes uh, the NUMA videos, where he recommends to people that they listen to the teachings of Rob Bell, and endorses them.
2: Christian even doesn't
0: by name, by the way,
2: uh, junior high and high school and, and definitely colleges. The, and yet, yeah. very clearly, Rob Bell has come out uh, and proven himself to be believe in a panentheistic type of, quote-unquote, gospel. Now, this
0: is true. This is true. Rob Bell does believe in a panentheistic gospel. That's correct. But what's not correct here is the, is the implication that Dan Kimball intended for people to go and, and read Rob Bell's stuff. Now he didn't show any discernment in warning people. Yeah, there's some bad stuff here and some good stuff. Yeah, that's true. So he, Dan Kimball doesn't get a clear pass on this, the point is is that this doesn't meet the the standard of evidence necessary to convict Dan of the charges that are being brought.
1: It is correct. In fact, Rob Bell showed up with Doug Paget, someone else. I might add that Dan Kimball was fellowshipping with. He describes it.
0: On- Define fellowship.
1: On his own personal blog waiting for Doug Paget to show up at a conference and how they all got together and had such a great time chatting about Jesus and doctrine and talked about Jesus again. What about Doug Paget? Doug Paget and Rob Bell showed up with the Dalai Lama at the okay, se-
0: but Dan Kimball didn't show up with the Dalai Lama and the Again, Dan Kimball, the question is Is Dan Kimball endorsing and promoting the teaching of Doug Paget? Answer, you know what? He has. But he has stopped doing it. And he's publicly said that he can't. How come that evidence isn't being weighed?
1: Seeds of Compassion event in Seattle a couple of years ago. I mean, it, it takes your breath away. And you, but it's okay. Because Dan Kimball has an orthodox doctrinal statement.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a straw man, by the way. Straw man. All right, this is the last one, okay? This is the last one, and I'll show you what went wrong with this one, too. His,
1: his, 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 every participation he has had, he was with Brian McLaren at Willow Creek Church two years ago, 24 months ago, stood there on the platform in the same conference with Brian McLaren at the shift conference held at Willow Creek.
0: Okay, that was the charge, Okay. Listen again,
1: his, his 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 every participation he has had. He was with Brian McLaren at Willow Creek Church two years ago, 24 months ago, stood there on the platform in the same conference with Brian McLaren at the shift conference held at Willow Creek.
0: Now, just so you know, OK, somebody tipped me off to this and uh, and Dan actually sent me a link to this as well. Um, that particular conference, the shift conference in 2008, I. Um, well, uh, funny enough, uh, one of the guys who works with um, Albert Mueller was there and wrote about what happened, okay? From the Baptist Press, SBTS Professor McLaren Serpent Sensitive. This is, okay, written by David Roach. If you go to bpnews.net... And in their search box, type in McLaren Serpent Sensitive. It was posted on April 18th, 2008. And I want you to listen to the first few paragraphs and the last couple of paragraphs, and then you can go and read it in context for yourself. One of the reasons why Dan Kimball is bad, okay, is because he, in 2008, shared the dais at Willow Creek with Brian McLaren, who's a heretic, by the way. He is. So the the question is, when um, Dan Kimball shared the dais with Brian McLaren at Willow Creek, was Dan Kimball affirming Brian McLaren's heresy? Well, uh, Russell D. Moore, who's the Senior Vice President for Academic Administration at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, didn't think that Dan Kimball did that at all. Let me read this. South Barrington, Illinois, recent denials of hell and a literal second coming of Christ by emerging church leader Brian McLaren are absurd and actually lead to the kind of violence McLaren seeks to prevent, said Russell D. Moore, senior vice president for academic administration at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. He was at the conference, by the way, okay? And in this article, Russell D., uh, David Roach and Russell D. Moore Pick apart the heresies of Brian McLaren and Dan Kimball's participation at the conference are noted by Russell D. Moore from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. I'm going to read, if you go down to the last one, two, three, four paragraphs, listen to this. We'll begin with McLaren. McLaren's comments at Willow Creek are not themselves surprising, he said. What is surprising is that a Christian conference, especially one growing out of a movement designed to reach seekers for Christ, would invite McLaren to speak. When McLaren questions the existence of hell and the hope of the second coming, he is not a new kind of Christian. Such things are neither new nor are they Christian. Okay? So Russell D. Moore was there, and he heard McLaren speak, And he questioned why Willow Creek would have McLaren there, and rightfully so. But notice, he doesn't lump Kimball in with McLaren. Watch this. We continue. Quote, they are instead a repetition of the voice of a snake in a long-ago garden. Has God really said? And you shall not surely die. It is tragic that one of the world's most renowned evangelical churches would highlight this kind of serpent-sensitive Worship, Well said, Russell Moore, but it continues. Dan Kimball, another emerging leader and pastor of Vintage Faith Church in Santa Cruz, California, is to be commended. Let me repeat that. Russell Moore of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, who was at the Shift Conference in 2008 at Willow Creek, said, Dan Kimball, another emerging church leader and pastor of Vintage Faith Church in Santa Cruz, California, is to be commended for saying at the same conference that it is wrong for Christians to focus so much on social justice that they neglect to speak about eternal life, Moore said. In other words, whatever Dan Kimball said on the dais there was in direct, direct juxtaposition to the heresies that... McLaren was speaking, and I find it hard to believe that Russell D. Moore would be, well, uh, deceived by Dan Kimball. It continues, quote, Dan Kimball's comments were courageous and they were correct, Moore said. An evangelical without the gospel is no advance for the church. So coming back, coming back, coming back to what Ingrid has been saying. Okay? This last quote. Listen again.
1: His, 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 every participation he has had, he was with Brian McLaren at Willow Creek Church two years ago, 24 months ago, stood there on the platform in the same conference with Brian McLaren at the shift conference held at Willow Creek.
0: Yet, when you check the people who were there, Russell D. Moore of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, who works with Albert Mueller, who took Brian McLaren to task for the heresies he spewed at Willow Creek and took Willow Creek to task for having Brian McLaren on the dais spewing his heresies, then turns around and commends Dan Kimball and his speech at that same conference for courageously speaking the truth contra to what McLaren said. So I come back now to my original point. It is imperative that we be discerning. There are a lot of lies in the church today. But when you lie about somebody, it doesn't matter if they're a heretic or whether they're Mother Teresa. If you wantingly. Twist and distort reality to say things about them that are not true. That is a breaking of the eighth commandment that says that says thou shalt not bear false witness. That is every bit as dangerous as and wrong, and wrong-headed, and stubborn as any Bible-twisting that takes place by any seeker-driven pastor that we review here at Fighting for the Faith. It's wrong. This is not how you fight error. We don't have the luxury of lying to defend the truth. This is why, number one, I am publicly calling Ingrid Schleider and Deborah Dombrowski to repent. To repent and publicly apologize for the lies, the misrepresentations, the out of context statements, and the mischaracterizations that they engaged in in their defense of the truth. What they said regarding Dan Kimball was chock full of misquotes a refusal to look at the evidence, selective evidence, illogical you know, fallacies like guilt by association, red herrings, and straw men. And on top of it, what they're doing maligns and discredits the greater discernment camp, and worse than that, it discredits Christ. That's not to say that all of their points are, were not valid. Some were. But it's hard to find the ones that are valid when it's so clear. When you just push a little bit on these, they come crumbling to the ground. Dan Kimball, in his own voice, confesses the historic Christian faith. And there are problems in the methodologies that he's promoting. For more information on the reasons why some of his methodologies are wrong, listen to yesterday's program that I did with Tim Stevens' lecture at the AND conference at Granger. That'll give you the biblical lowdown on what's fundamentally flawed in in their thinking. With that being the case, Ingrid and Deborah, you need to repent. And the good news is that Christ died even for these sins. I appreciate and honor your zeal for defending the truth, and I share your passion for it. and I share your concern for the many wicked teachers and teachings that have crept into the church and am visibly and am shaken by how few voices there are speaking up against it. And I'm thankful for the work that you've done to defend the historic Christian faith. But in this case, you have erred. In this case, you have sinned. In this case, you have borne false witness against your neighbor, and you have to repent. And the good news is that Christ has died for these sins. Repent, and don't lie anymore to defend the truth, because we can't do that because it discredits us and it discredits Christ. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at Talk back at com. Or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there, Pirate Christian. Y'all have a great Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll catch you on the other side of the Thanksgiving break. Until then, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.